last week which is getting you discomfort zone but this week is <laughs> this week is presence and uh, I think they tie in well together mm. yeah how if, if you had to give your own like layman's terms what would you how would you describe what being present means to well you? I might throw another overly used trope but being mindful in whatever you do being aware and in the moment of whatever you do so we never just go through the motions, but you're keenly intimate with exactly what, what's happening all around you. So is that like a sensation thing? Is could that be. A, Very well could be. Is it a mental state or is it more physiological? Well, I, th I think of it not daydreaming about things that aren't exactly in that very moment, right? So if there's, well, if we can take a look at it in the gym is what I often see and what I think um, was the catalyst for us having this as the topic of conversation is that I noticed when people were in the gym that they maybe stop mid-set, they go run and check their phone right quick, and then they go back and do their set. And when they're, when they're in the middle of the movements themselves, you can tell that their mind's somewhere else, right? And they're, they're not getting anywhere near of what they could. And I feel like this stuff, like we say about a lot of the things that go on in the gym, is agonizing enough, and you want to make the most of the time that's, that's spent there. And so being present will not only improve your performance, but it'll also um, improve your mental performance, and you'll do it a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's applicable to all things. Yeah. Like, definitely the gym is a playground to exhibit and to foster those things, but yeah. just to be present throughout your day. And uh, You've brought this up before. This is kind of dovetailed on the last two episodes about discomfort and the lack thereof in a lot of people's lives and uh, just how modern... Modern life doesn't necessarily uh, force us to be uncomfortable as often. Not accommodating for discomfort, right? Not accommodating. Um, but that it's something that you can practice all the time, right? Like you brought up the uh, the idea of when's the last time you just drove in a car without any input, right? Yeah. No music. No audiobooks. No, no audiobooks, no podcasts. No, no conversations. conversations. Right? Yeah. I mean, that could be debatable because being present is also having a lively conversation for sure. while, yeah, while you're in the conversation, but other things are not going throughout the day. Yeah. I think there's great value in noticing your surroundings while you're driving and not kind of time traveling from one place to another. Uh, yeah, I think, and <clears throat> tying into discomfort again, if you think about um, when you're very uncomfortable in a workout, say, it's almost a cheat to be present because you, can't, you yeah. can't help but be 100 percent yep and so that's kind of a, a cheat but it, it also shows that like for example if you're um if you are at work and you're checking your phone and you're um logging on to facebook and there's all these distractions like your your ability to get anything done yeah. is like so ex exponentially diminished yeah. in every way yeah because it's just absolutely um, like that you could get if you just spent an hour focusing yeah it's like the equivalent of doing 
six hours yeah, of work back and forth. So. I mean, it, this isn't theorized anymore. It's like in modern society, and I think it's less being said because of the recognition that we're, no one is a good multitasker. No one. No one on the face of the planet. We're all terrible multitaskers. And right. some people take pride in the fact they say, well, I'm, I'm great at multitasking. But no, you're not. If we, we really can't do more than one thing at a time. We just divide ourselves in so many different ways, and we do everything terrible that we do. Right. Um, so being able to lock, lock on and recognize that you can't do more than one thing at a time will, will add some tremendous value to the rest of your life. Yeah, and I think, like, I don't know about you guys, but when, like, Sarah will call me out sometimes because I'll be like, if I'm, like, doing something like typing on my computer and Sarah's talking to me, I will... Yeah literally not respond and because I'm like so focused yeah and then she'll get upset obviously or whatever yeah. but, um, but it's it is true like I I actually have trouble like focusing on yeah. more than one thing I think some people maybe don't go to that degree but well yeah um, but yeah like me in particular like if I'm yeah watching TV then or like typing on something or uh, on a phone call I can't focus on anything yeah else. I think this is, this ties into this too. Like you guys know that I like to call people well before I text, <laughs> not just because I like to hear the sound of my own voice, but <clears throat> you like to hear the sound of our voice. And sound of your voice is too, of course. Yeah, it melts my heart. Um, but the fact is, if I text someone, I notice the same conversation could take half a day. But if I call them and get it all out at once, I can have my undivided attention to that person, and we can get a lot more said in a lot less time. So I like I hate the fact because I get. I'm like you, if I get my attention divided, it takes me a long time to get it back to the other thing. Mm -hmm. So rather than extend that out for so long, I just like to call and have it all said once, and then I go on about my day. I'm, right. I'm, like, I'm a terrible example of bad ADHD. And, I mean, so in order for me to combat that, I need to really wholeheartedly throw myself into the thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I think there's merit to doing that because the thing that you're doing in the fact that it gets your attention, it gets all of your capacity, right? Like, uh, instead of half-assing. Right, yeah, ten different things. You whole-ass. Yeah, whole-ass, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think the, the fact is, is that if, like a lot of people are today, or at least that diagnosis is found out a lot, ADHD, but it, ADHD is a double-edged sword. It can, it can be your superpower, or it can be the main of your existence. Because ADHD, you have, have a, a humongous proclivity to hyper-focus if you allow it to be. And so the, the fact is, is that sometimes people with ADHD can really do things very well if they have to show interest in it. So you can use that to your advantage if you allow it to be by focusing on one thing at a time. Yeah, and I mean, that's the discipline of having your attention in one spot and your attention span. That's something I think technology and just the modern lifestyle has, I know there's like a heap load of studies out there that the average attention span of like a 15 year old today versus 1980 was, yeah. it's, it's abysmal, yeah, it's and it's no wonder really, because yeah. when are you ever really subjected to like one stimulus for more right. than five minutes? But even like, even when like we go back to the day of YouTube was at height of popularity, right? At least the videos were a few minutes long, right? Like you get your attention before the TikTok, like before the TikTok. Reels. Now we're limited to like fifteen seconds. Okay, next video. I need the next one. Shoot, All right. next, next. Like fifteen seconds long, and we're like, I am bored of this video. 
<laughs> Even that, we have to go back and, and, and be whimsical about the time where we used to have, what, three-minute-long attention spans watching YouTube. Yeah. Now 15 seconds is stretching it for us. That's why I think, like, reading is such a... Reading a physical book is yeah. such a good tool. Right. You know, so for, for modern people. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like, you get knowledge from it, but just, like, the flexing the muscle of, like, attentional discipline, yeah. you have to, like... You have it in your hand and it's right in front of you and you have to give it, it demands your attention or else yep. you're not going to get what it's right. giving you, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I can be a horrible reader at times. Like I'll be reading a book and then I'll start thinking about something yeah. and then like two pages go by and I'm like, wait a minute. I've and we have to reread the whole thing, yeah. Well, been there, been there. I've noticed, like when I was a kid, I would voraciously read. I, I just devour anything that was done in front of me. Um, but then I've noticed as an adult, since I've been such a hiatus not reading, that when I actually, because I've listened to a lot of audiobooks, but that's different. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I, I feel like I'm being productive because I'm like driving and I'm doing something at the same time. But it's hard to actually tear myself away and read because I feel like these other things are like looming in the back of my head I need to do. Mm -hmm. And so right. it, it, it's like, it's, it's, it's hard for me to be present when I read because I'm thinking about all these other things. So I think that's in a sense now, sadly enough, that it's a sense of meditation when you read, because we don't have these other things that are just hovering over us that we think that we're not being productive about. Yeah, I think for me that's the biggest draw and why I live a lifestyle like I do to doing things that are physically and mentally challenging, because it demands you yeah. to be present. Absolutely, yeah. Like, and, and even things that aren't physically challenging, like uh, music for me, like it demands that you're paying attention yeah. and listening and mm -hmm. like you're you have to be present or else you're going to suck yeah. right well, and that's applicable to a lot of stuff and you can take that same muscle you develop by practicing an instrument or exercising intensely or martial arts or anything and apply that to like i do this like when yeah. i do the dishes i'm like, like right, going. i'm gonna, yeah i'm going to do the shit out of the yeah. dishes and if you actually notice what you're doing with it you can make something as Mundane is doing dishes and actually an interesting test. Yeah, and I make a little game in my head. It's like, how many, how many times am I gonna have to fight the urge to like go grab my phone and change the song right. that's playing in the background, or go grab something from the fridge, right. and like just do the dishes. Yeah, from start to finish. Being interested, feeling the bubble, seeing the sensation, feeling the yeah. hot or cold water. And sometimes it's like becomes enjoyable because right. you just get lost in what you're doing. And yeah, you like I don't know. Everything in life has that that uh, opportunity. Yeah. Well, I think this is, I, I, I vaguely remember us talking about something like this along the lines a few podcasts ago, but um, I, I found this as part of something that's within all of our lives, is that anything that we are drawn to, anything that we obsess over, anything that we really have passion about, they all, not coincidentally, have a uncanny ability to keep us present. Like if I'm going skiing and I really love skiing, I'm obsessed with it, then I'm not thinking about other things, any anything other than what I'm doing skiing. Right? I'm always right there in the moment. If I spearfish for a living, I was always right there. There was never any other thoughts besides what I'm doing there. If you really love, if you're in music, right? Then probably while you're playing music, you don't have thoughts of a meeting going on. Anything that we do, we're, that we are drawn towards, is beyond a shadow of a doubt something that we feel present in. Otherwise, we wouldn't be drawn towards it. Mm. Yeah. This uh, I don't know if I ever spoke about this with you, but I know I did an episode with Zach about my favorite, one of my favorite books. We did like choose your top three books ever, and we reviewed them together. You might have been on that episode, but that was way back. Uh, I think when Lyra was born. And one of the books that I uh, said, which I've read a handful of times, is called Flow, and it's uh, by this psychologist. His name's 
like crazy name, but his name's okay. Mahaley Sisha Mahaley, and he's like a neuropsychologist. Yep. And this whole book is about uh, the sensation of flow that you get from like different the zone. activity. The zone, yeah. yeah. And the qualities of that are like you lose sense of time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Time absolutely. dilation or, or compression. Yeah. You don't really know how much time's going by because you're so engaged. Right. Uh, you almost like lose track of before and after. Yeah. And that's part of the time. That's thing. the only thing that matters. And it's like a sense of, it's a, just a sense of like wholeness. Yeah. Because you are, you and the task are kind of like one at that right. point, right? And absolutely. To find more things in your life that put you in a flow state. And try to do that as as much throughout the day as you can. You can do that with the dishes. You can do that while you're yeah. driving. You can do that when you brush your teeth. And just get comfy being present and getting into a flow state where you're not having to think about all this other shit all yeah. the time. Well, I, I think that leads us to like it's not a chicken or the egg scenario. You don't you're just not you don't have to choose like what you're drawn to is, is the thing that you're present in. But you can you can make anything that you have passion about if you're allowing yourself to be present in that moment. So you can make everything passionate, right? And that's really, I think, what being present is. Anything that you do, you give passion to. You don't, you don't allow other things to distract you other than that moment. And one thing that I've had, I, at times in my life, um, I mean, like many people, have gone through much mental anguish and turmoil as far as just how life has led me. And I found great relief in the fact that if we allow ourselves presence, then you don't have to have the anguish of, of living life. You're towing it along with you forever you go because you're only in this moment. It's only this moment that ever matters. And whatever you did, whatever you're going to do, doesn't matter. Because it's only this moment. And then 95% of our lives is going to be joyful if we live only in the moment. Or it could be the reverse, the reverse of it. 95 of our lives can be absolute hell if we live in some place other than this moment. Yeah. I, <clears throat> every year I pick a word that I'm going to like live by this you know that year and in 2020 it was presence because i knew i was having like our first daughter and i was thinking like i need to be present with her and um and so i chose that word for 2020 and uh and i think with parenting it's hugely important like you could you could spend a ton of time with your kids but if you're thinking about other things or yeah. like you know not really like engaging with them and like being focused about spending time with them and being present with them, then it'll, it's, it's not really good parenting. But if right. you are like, if you work, you know, nine hour days, but when you're spending time with them, it's like quality time, yeah. then that makes a big right. difference. So that, that, that was a, a big uh, eye opener for presence. Cause it is hard to, to do that. Like kids want to do really simple things, you yeah. know, and it's easy to let your mind, Start yeah, go on and you want to do adult things, but yeah. the time will pass you by. Right. Uh, if you if you're not present there, and you'll go back, and they'll be grown up, and you'll have wished that you spent more quality time with them. Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of what started me wanting to be present, and then throughout the year, I noticed just how beneficial it is across the board. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Focusing on what you're doing when you're doing it. Um, but yeah, in in workouts. Um, it's like super easy for me, but I do notice that there are some people that maybe they're checking their phone during a workout, and that's yeah. like shocking. To right, see me too. Like, <laughs> like, how are you doing that? Uh, give yourself the gift of just doing the workout. Right. right. Don't 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 carry that stuff with you. It's just an hour for most people. Right. Just take an hour from your day and wholeheartedly give it your all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I think in your like the quality of your social life too. Um, as far as like we talked about being present, like on the car drive without any input, right? But um, the converse as like being present, like right now we're having a conversation, we're all listening to each other, we're engaged in the topic, um, and like that goes such a long way just in your general social life. Like when somebody speaks to you and you actually listen to them and you look them in the eyes and you respond in a way that's yeah. thoughtful, like it's it. It's sad, but it's not a super common thing to be like feel like somebody's listening to you and like to give you honesty back. Yeah. Um, and like I think it goes and goes forever as as far as like your social quality of your social life. And people notice that too if you're there with them. If you if you're off like daydreaming about what's gonna you happen, you can pick it up in ten seconds. Right. You're talking to somebody, and even if they're looking at you, you can pick it up in yeah. ten seconds. <laughs> Oh, this person doesn't care. Right. <laughs> like, it, like I, I hate the word empath, but <laughs> there, is some, there is some truth that it's, it, we're very intuitive about what each other's thinking, mm -hmm. right? at least at, in, a, in a subtle sense. Yeah. So you can tell when someone's not truly interested, you like right away. Even, did you know that, not to get distracted with the side quest here, but um, the whites of our eyes are the way they are because we are such social creatures that we tune in on those consciously. To, to see what your eyes are doing while we're engaged in conversation. So even subtle nuances with eye movement tell us a lot that we don't really quite understand, but yet um, scientists discovered it means a lot, even subtle eye movement. Yeah, there, there's so many things that humans can just pick up amongst other yeah. humans. Like you can't really describe why, but you can just feel it yeah. easily when someone's Instantly, like, if you know someone else, there's a fight or, right? or there's some contention, yeah. all right. sorts of... Obvious, yeah. like you can smell it. Yeah. I think there's really like that's like a funny term. Like I get, I sums in the air. I can smell it, but yeah. I think there literally is. Like, right, there is. Yeah. This person's upset. You can, you can say yeah, there's some hostility <laughs> or whatever is going on, even if there's like just some, some grudges. Yeah, you know that there's something um, adrift right there. You know? Yeah, and if someone's not like presently engaged in a conversation with you, yeah. you can tell, and it's. Yeah, so it's, it's, I mean, it can be disrespectful in certain yeah. scenarios too, so. And even from your perspective, like, if you're not present to be in tune with those cues, like, you're not engaged, then you're never, you're going to glass all over that stuff. Like, you, I'm sure we've met people who, like, uh, they don't pick those cues up as a whole, right? Because they're, they might be, like, we're now thinking about, well, no, just yeah. not working out cues, like, well, social cues, like. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're elsewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mentally, when you're talking yeah. to them, yeah, it could be on a, a mental field trip, oh, sure. and so they're gonna miss out on those. Yes. Yeah. Well, but to bring it back to actually working out, like it helps tremendously. Like, let's say we're planning a workout, and we maybe have a ten-person class, right? But people are excited; they're um, talking amongst themselves, and then we have to explain maybe perhaps the same thing to three of our people who went rushing off to the bathroom. Like literally, you can't wait like one minute for after the, after the workout to get explained, to get zip off to the bathroom because you don't need the nerves and about to start a workout. But rather, if you waited there, being the whole class going more smoothly, you'd know the workout better, you'd be more prepared for it. And then um, it would help everyone to just like be mindful of what's going on right yeah, now. Aware. Yeah, right. That reminds me actually, have you guys noticed new people coming into the gym, even though it might be a simple, workout you have to explain it multiple yeah, times. Multiple times. I, I think that's because when you're new to the gym when you come in it's like you're thinking about like oh is this person looking at me and yeah all these other things the anxiety of this right. new environment is overwhelming yeah. i think yeah. and so just 
if I were to explain the workout, they're thinking about a million different things. Right. I've, I've thought that for a long time. It's just yeah. like, it's hard. Because think about it, it's kind of like when the uh, monster is chasing the person in the, um, in the horror movie, whatever, and trying to put yeah. their key, something as simple as trying to put your keys in, right. and then they fumble around and they don't <laughs> burn for forever. I think that same kind of, I mean, that, that kind of right. scenario is applicable to the monster of the workout right. coming over to swoop you in and eat you. Right. So that anxiety does, doesn't allow them to be present. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so just think of how much you could gain by just focusing, listening, not only just to the coach, but listening to your body, how you're feeling that day. Yeah. Um, just being present in the moment of working out is hugely beneficial. Yeah. yeah. And that, for me, I always look at the bigger picture for members too. Like, what do you, it's great that you come here and you work out and you get all the physiological and mental and emotional benefit, but like, the skills that you build aren't just on a barbell, they're not just on a pull-up bar. Like the the soft skills you can apply to all the stuff. Well this is really doing, doing the dishes. Yeah. Whatever. I'm gonna keep bringing it back to that because it's such a Yeah. Everybody does it. Um, but being being in that same headspace throughout, yeah. throughout your day, um, and, and not just for the hour you're here, like try to like have some sort of skill transfer outside the gym. Well, CrossFit's whole philosophy is training for real life. And it's not just the physical training for real life, it's the mental training for real life. So, we're, I mean, our whole methodology is to prepare you for living your life as, as well lived as you can. So, hopefully, we can carry over every single skill that we are, I mean, in a controlled environment, harnessing here, and being able to take that with us. Yeah, the, and, and being present in the class, too, like a class setting, that's a good... Like there are little like social nuances that make a big difference to making the class better for everybody. Yeah. Like if it's a four time workout and everybody's finishing at different times, if you finish early, like stay present in the class and like, you know, cheer people on or at least just like, you know, watch them or, or you know, see yeah. what's going on as opposed to like cleaning up your weights going on your phone. Yeah. Um, like that that makes class way more more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, for everybody, if everybody's like engaged, so that's like a kind of a pet peeve of mine. If you're cleaning up, your yeah, me too. Yeah. I think for everybody, I'm, yeah. or people dart off as soon as they're done. Right. Um, well, what one thing I think is worth noting before we, I don't know how much time we have. When we wrap it up, though, is actually like as as far as I'm concerned now, there used to be I used to be performance driven. That's what I cared about. But now I work out more so for my mind. Still performance driven, but I work out to keep my mind healthy as it can be. And working out, of course, goes hand in hand with a healthy mind. Um, but one thing I found amazing recently, I um, found a study that says the more um, neurologically you can get into your workout, the the better one you'll be able to perform. It's something like twenty percent deeper into exhaustion you can perform if you are there. If there's some type of uh, cognitive obstacles, uh, like for example, um, if you're running and you're hiking over the mountains and treacherous terrain then you're thinking about not stepping on roots and rocks and going up and down boulders or whatever. There's a whole lot of um, activity with your mind that you're thinking about. But we can apply, still apply that. Oh, there's so much activity with your mind that you're doing when we're working out with all this um, constantly varied function movement high intensity too. That is, is, I think is every bit as difficult cognitively as rushing through the strength. And that's part of the benefit of it is to be very much so cognitively working out as well with that sense of presence. Yeah, being in a workout worrying about like 
your positioning and all that is is it's a workout of your yeah. mind too, right. um, and that carries over to you know um, yeah. you're driving down the road and defensive driving or whatever. Yeah, um, all that stuff comes into play. Did you guys know that? Um, so chess players. You know, this is an interesting fact. Again, I'm risking going on a side quest here, but chess players. Um, they burn a massive amount of calories because their brain just devours calories because they I mean there's, there's nothing more mentally taxing than two chess players like that are at grandmaster level. So it's shocking how much they have to eat to maintain that level of performance. I read that and I thought it was fake and then I, yeah. I really <laughs> well, looked into it. Was, yeah. <laughs> Levi, Levi Google. <laughs> yeah, but that's like legit. Yeah. yeah. I believe it. I remember, uh, like, film sessions for football. Yeah. Uh, playing college football, you'd sit in a film room for, like, three hours. Yeah. And just, like, slow motion play after play. Without any break in attention, you have to be there the whole time. There's no talking, yeah. the lights are off. There's, you know, coach is going to ask you questions. you got to be able to answer them. And, uh, yeah, it was like that same thing. By the end of a, a film session, you're, like, physically exhausted. Yeah. Just because you have... Your brain is like sharp on something, yeah. you know? Well, along that same vein, that's cool. I mean, I'm really drawn towards the thinking element of CrossFit. Because in any given workout, uh, like there is a heap load of, of thinking and strategy that's involved with it if you're going to perform at your best. Like, uh, if we, what was the workout today? Like, we're thinking about, depending on how long the workout is, you've got to plan your rounds, you've got to plan your um, strategy and how you're going to do the power games. Are you going to do singles? Are you going to do, um, are you going to do touch and go? You know, there's a whole lot of variables that go into specifically how you're going to perform your best at it. Um, you even like timing your, pacing your rounds to stay at a sustainable pace, right? So many things go into it, and I kind of think of it as a thinking man's um, exercise. Yeah. Because if you're doing it right, that you're not just going to gun it and see what happens. But you plan and strategize for it, then your brain's constantly, constantly readjusting and adjusting there too while you're in the middle of the workout. So it keeps you really, really sharp. If I think that you're the, the best case scenario as present as you can be with. It. Yeah, and I try to like bake that into class at the whiteboard. I I never just here's your workout, here's yeah. the modifications. There's always some little yeah. strategic, tactical yeah. talk, and then individual basis. Hey, what do you? What are you going to do for the pull-ups? Yeah, are you going to absolutely. break them up into tens? Or are you going to, like, I always try to prod at members, yeah, even too, if yeah. they're not competitive members. They're just right. people who are in there to work out. Because I want their brain to yeah. not be off. Like I said, and like I think there, there is, I mean, it's not actually my opinion, but it's um, it's beyond theoretical that it's, it's more beneficial for your brain than for your body to exercise well. And if we can get the brain involved like that. And I'm really impressed. I think I hope you guys realize like what a unique gym this is as far as the level of coaching goes, and not just to toot my horn, but we've got a, a like quite a number of good coaches that do that same thing. It's just it's not about just swinging and, and go for the fences, but as far as strategy goes and, and preparing you for it and everything in between, that this is a unique gym that is really emotionally invested in everyone doing well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's to tie into the mental um, like workout basically. That yesterday, for example, I felt like I was reaching that edge of being able to cognitively 
think about things while I was being physical. And like that, there's a thruster pull-up workout going up by three every round. Yeah. Um, and I was I was thinking about a lot of different things, like being present in that workout, thinking about breathing, thinking about um, the reps that I was on, and yeah. you know, positioning. Um, how is it going to break up the reps? And it got to the point where around 18, I was pretty physically exhausted, but I was also like mentally exhausted where I was like, I don't know if I did the 18s already yeah, yeah. or because I was breaking them up into math, yeah. and stuff. And I was like, and I like reached that edge of like, right, I, I right. mentally broke down. Um, and then you, well, at least you err on the side of, oh, yeah. right. I remember you, what, you had 15? Yeah, so uh, I said, 15. yeah, but it was. Some people would be like, I don't know if it was 15 or 18, I'll say 21. Right. <laughs> but it was, you know, it's interesting, maybe, you know, I don't know, I'm, it seems like I don't have any evidence to back it up, but the more you do that, where you're thinking about all like being super present in the moment, both mentally and thinking about different things, um, you get better at it as you go. You know, like yeah, when you first start out, yep. just purely counting is yeah. is really hard. Let alone thinking about your breath and all that stuff. We're so, trying to as long as we can stave off survival mode, right? Right. Survival mode is where the wheels come off when mm-hmm. bad things happen. Yeah. But being present, I think, helps us stave that off for a little much longer. Yeah. Well. I'm running out of time. Okay. Okay.